Today we have Dr. Rory Murphy, who's a busy neurosurgeon in Barrow Neurological Institute in Arizona. He's the recipient of numerous awards and is active in translational cervical spinal cord injury research. He's been published in Nature and also in a number of other major spine journals. Thanks for joining us today, Rory. Thank you very much, Kevin, for allowing me to join. Um, it's great to be part of this uh, on, uh, podcast for oncologists. Great. Can you give us a brief introduction of yourself and your medical background? Yes, Kevin. So um, uh, for the listeners, we're both from the same part of Ireland, uh, the southwest of Ireland uh, in Cork, and uh, we're now both in the southwest of uh, the U.S., very different climate. Um, but um, 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 I'm basically, uh, I'm born and raised in, in Ireland and Cork and uh, did my medical school in Cork and then uh, moved to the U.S. to do my surgical training. Um, so I was in Washington University in St. Louis um, for my residency, San Francisco for my fellowship. And then I joined uh, the Barrow Neurological Institute uh, about four years ago. And so uh, it's been a pleasure to look after patients in Phoenix for the past four years. Um, here in Phoenix, um, uh, look after a number of neurosurgical challenges for patients. Um, and uh, one of the main things I was hoping to discuss with you today is the management of spinal, spinal metastasis, which are very common for your oncologists. Great, brilliant. Look forward to hearing about that. Um, just so we learn a little bit more about you, why did you decide to career, pursue a career in medicine, specifically neurosurgery? What made you interested in that space? I was always um, fascinated by when someone cannot move properly. And um, when, uh, since I was a teenager, um, working um, as with kids with cerebral palsy and other um, medical uh, challenges with their movement, um, how can you improve that? And so whether it's spinal cord injuries or tumors pressing on the spinal cord or um, tumors causing challenges for patients to move. That was always my main interest. And um, doing training in neurosurgery um, was the best way to pursue that goal. And so my main focus is when I have a patient comes to me um, who can't move properly from spine tumors causing nerve or spinal cord compression, how can we get them better and get them moving better, uh, mm. relieve the spinal cord pressure and um, get them back mobile um, so that they can achieve their goals and have a better quality of life. Of course. Brilliant. What would you say are some of your biggest challenges as, as a neurosurgeon at the moment? Um, we're very fortunate. Technology is advancing rapidly. Um, mm. We have access to amazing imaging and um, Patients have more and more information. So right now, the options for patients are fantastic. They haven't had many of these options before. Um, the main challenge, I feel, is um, educating patients, um, mm. educating other um, team members, um, making sure that we have truly multidisciplinary care uh, to help patients get better. So... Um, I think the main thing is matching our technical capabilities with the goals of the patient and making sure that we achieve what a patient wants within the limitations of what we can do. Mm. Okay, very interesting. And you touched on technology. What, what do you see as you know, the most cutting edge technology 
coming into the market at the moment in, in your space? Well, what I've noticed is um, the main thing I've noticed is taking a step back. Um, I guess, more, thankfully, people are living longer and surviving longer with what were previously, um, you know, conditions, uh, oncological conditions that would lead to them passing away at short, pretty short time frames, you know, mm. uh, months or maybe a year or two. And now, thankfully, I have patients, you know, we operate on and they do well for many, many years and have an excellent quality of life. Um, so I think most of the advance, advances are actually on the oncology side, on the disease-modifying mm. drugs, on the new adjuvant therapies um, and immunotherapies that are basically completely changing how people um, survive and do well and lead a good quality of life after a diagnosis of a metastatic uh, cancer. Um, and then on our side, uh, we're noticing more and more patients who've had metastatic breast cancer, metastatic lung cancer, um, their first diagnosed maybe five, six, seven, ten years ago. Mm. And they present with a new spine metastasis. And up to 50% of patients will have a spinal spine metastasis at some time in their journey with their um, uh, cancer. And I guess now we have minimally invasive techniques that allow us to help the patient, you know, mm. provide stability to their spine if they have very bad spinal cord instability, take the pressure off their spinal cord and do it in a minimally invasive way. So we have very small incisions because healing is very important. When a patient's getting adjuvant therapy and mm. radiation, you want to make sure that you have very small incisions so that you don't have wound complications. Because obviously when someone has a lung cancer or breast cancer that's metastatic, you know, they're, they're using a lot of their efforts to combat that disease. And mm. so a wound, you have to have a small wound so that they can heal it and the body can deal with that. Um, so I think we now have computer guidance navigation. Um, so we are able to do very targeted surgeries, um, take the pressure off the spinal cord, stabilize it all through very small I guess, keyhole incisions allow mm. patients to get back moving the same, same day or the next morning after surgery and get their radiation, then stereotactic radiation, which is a major advantage and major um, new technology or newer technology um, within a few weeks after surgery. Um, so the technological advances are the minimum invasive surgery allied with the new prognostic scores that we're developing, mm. the way that we're able to use them in a multidisciplinary nature with our oncologists, radiation oncologists, diagnostic radiologists, and pathologists to really um, give a patient more options and um, really tailor the treatment for each patient. Now that we have stereotactic radiation and these new excellent drugs that can really slow down or slow progression of the disease, we don't have to do big surgeries um, mm. to uh, get a full resection of the tumor. Mm. What we need to do is basically make sure the spinal cord is protected, separate the spinal cord from the tumor, stabilize it, um, and then with the stereotactic radiation, you can 
really target the rest of the tumor. So that's been a big game changer and has re really helped us get patients in, improve their severe pain or their spinal cord compression, get them out of the hospital and get them back to, um, you know, their families and, you know, doing what they want to do. Excellent. That's great. How long has that technology been around? It's incremental. So basically all this technology is incrementally growing. So, um, basically over the past 10 years, but with any new technology, um, we have to learn more and more and we have to use them together. And there's more of a combination as well. Um, mm -hmm. So using minimally invasive techniques for spine, uh, for spine tumors uh, has been used you know, 10, 15 years. Combining that with stereotactic radiosurgery, um, again, about 10 years, but we're learning more and more each year that goes by. And we have new implant technologies that can allow us to basically target the radiation better. So with carbon fiber technologies, it doesn't obscure the remnant of the tumor or the, mm. the tumor that remains. And so it can, you can follow for recurrence and also radiate better with stereotactic radiosurgery and potentially radiate in less sessions so the patients don't have to go to the hospital as much or to the radiation um, uh, departments as many times so they can have maybe less treatment so they don't have to, you know, they're, they're busy, they have lots of appointments, um, different things to do. So if you can cut down, um, it's better. And especially if patients are traveling from long distances, they don't have to go as many times to a um, larger center. Yeah, very interesting. So would there be a, an equivalent of the Barrow Neurological Institute in each state of the US or is, you know, is, is, is Barrow the main center in all of the US? Well, we are, uh, the Barrow Neurological Institute is a um, very uh, well-regarded um, neurosurgical department with one of the biggest training programs and one of the biggest neurosurgical departments in the US. Um, a lot of patients travel here from around the US and around the world mm. for treatment. Um, so we do get patients from all around the US and around the world. Um, However, most U.S. cities will have um, a major um, clinical program that can help mm -hmm. patients. So um, we have to be cognizant of, you know, people need to have care locally. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of conditions, um, thankfully, technology is disseminating out. Uh, people can get it locally. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it does need to be in a multidisciplinary care setting. So um, it, it does need to be in a city with, um, or in a, an area with a certain volume um, so that the oncologist, radiation oncologists, and, and the surgeons uh, can work together to really hone and uh, improve their practice. Of course, yeah. And when should a patient consider surgery? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, so I guess, Spine meds can be picked up in various different ways. Mm. Um, sometimes a patient will come into the emergency department with severe weakness in their legs um, or paralysis or difficulty walking. And the spinal cord tumor and the metastasis may be pressing on the spinal cord. Generally, that's a situation where we do surgery pretty much straight away um, okay. because of the severe weakness. And it's been shown through a number of studies that people do better for longer and have a better quality of life if you do it. Um, now you have to still take a, you do, 
the oncologist and surgeon have to discuss carefully um, prognosis. Mm. So if someone is very unwell um, and if their survival is very, honestly, their outcome or the survival doesn't look like it's going to be more than a few months, probably that's not the best situation there. However, if the, someone's doing well, the prognosis is more than six to 12 months, doing a surgery with a minimally invasive surgery, can get that patient up, moving, potentially, and for the year or two or three years, have a better quality of life and maintain more function. So in a patient who comes in with severe um, weakness, that's an easier decision-making process. Um, and when we, Now, if a patient comes in with severe pain, um, maybe mechanical instability because a tumor has eroded into the, the bone, and when they move, they get severe pain. Um, that can be an indicator. Or if there's severe core compression, uh, and we have some basic, basic um, guidelines to help us. So mm -hmm. there's a neoplastic oncology metastasis and spinal instability score, which we can use. And uh, the AO Spine, which is a large cooperative of spine surgeons, have an excellent uh, surgical reference on their website um, where you can see pictures and descriptions of the various situations. So a oncologist um, can look at the imaging um, or discuss with a radiologist the imaging and almost match it with what you see on the surgical reference and discuss with their radiation oncologist. So there are, I guess, the, how do you decide for somebody who's walking well mm. and moving well, um, but with pain, how do you decide when and when, where to do surgery? That's a very nuanced decision that really requires a lot of discussion between the oncologist, radiation oncologist, and the spine surgeon. Um, okay. But we do have a criteria. It generally comes down to the amount of spinal cord compression or epidural spinal cord compression, how bad that is, and the amount of destruction or instability of the bone. Okay. Okay. And when should an oncologist refer to a spine surgery? Should they do those assessments themselves or should they begin the conversation earlier? You know, I get a phone call from an oncologist two or three times a day, um, just asking for advice. And it's, I think the key is develop a good relationship with a good spine surgeon that you can talk to regularly. Um, mm. Because uh, most of the time patients won't need surgery. They'll, you can do stereotactic radiosurgery with the radiation oncologist. Um, but it's always worthwhile discussing with a surgeon the case and making sure the patient knows the various options. Um, because people are living healthier, more productive, active lives in the setting of metastatic cancer all the time. So you want to make sure they have all the options and that they know um, they've talked to a radiation oncologist and to a spine surgeon so they get the different options. Um, but I think developing a productive relationship with a surgeon is very important. Okay. Okay, great. Um, could you tell us about the work you are doing day to day? You know, I, I know you're involved in some research and um, I think you're PI of um, a number of clinical trials. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, the work, that type of work you're doing? Yeah. So um, basically um, I'm a busy clinical neurosurgeon with some, uh, some research projects um, day to day, you know, do operate three days a week. Um, I'll mm. do uh, two or three operations each day, um, probably two or three um, oncological operations a week. 
whether they're brain tumors or spine tumors, and then also uh, spine fractures. So you can have pathological fractures from a tumor that causes the, the bone to collapse and core, core, core compression, but you can also have fractures from trauma, which is very common, um, especially in Arizona, where uh, people are very active. They're mountain biking, uh, horse riding, trail running, um, and uh, you know, motorbikes and um, racing. Um, so a lot of spine fractures. The techniques we use um, for all of them are kind of similar. So um, the surgical uh, techniques are somewhat similar. Um, we just tailor them to the, the challenge that we face, whether it's a tumor or a fracture from trauma and spinal cord, uh, if it's spinal cord compression, we have those options too. So generally about um, three or four uh, tumor surgeries a week uh, to help patients with spine tumors or brain tumors. Okay, okay, well, how, how long is each of those surgeries? It varies, it varies. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to, you know, every surgery is, patient investing in their future and trying to get the best outcome for the future. Mm. So somebody who has a um, low grade tumor or a, like a chordoma um, mm. will want a on block resection. So they'll want a complete resection because that can be curative. And um, in a younger patient, with potentially curative uh, tumor, you'll want to do an on-block resection and you can do a longer surgery and they're generally younger patients so they can tolerate it more because if you can get the full resection, you know, we basically cure the disease. Hmm. Now, on the other side, if you have a 80-year-old uh, patient or a 90-year-old patient sometimes uh, with a spinal cord mesh with core compression, um, you can't operate for three or four hours um, because you know it's a long time in the operating room. Um, so you want to do a short targeted procedure that addresses the issue, gets them mobile and gives them best quality. So it really you have to tailor to you know the patient's goals, their underlying factors, and um, what you can do without causing problems. Of course, yeah, it makes sense. Just to take a, a step back a little, um, I'm just curious about you know the differences between working in the U.S. and Ireland. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are your experiences in the U.S. versus Ireland? You know, overall, uh, I think patients get be- looked after very well um, in multiple systems around the world. Mm. And the one thing I have noticed is a lot of our grading systems uh, for these tumors are universal. Okay. So, thankfully. It um, doesn't matter where you, you are in the world, these grading systems are applicable anywhere. Um, and a lot of the treatment options are available most places. Now, in the US, we are very fortunate to have um, access to um, excellent technology and um, things do get done a bit quicker. Um, and uh, there's more health systems with some healthy competition between the health systems, which um, is good. You know, having competition uh, does, um, it's good for patients having competition because um, mm. patients, and there's more choice. So patients get a bit more choice. Um, but realistically, um, most of these technologies are available 
in any developed healthcare setting. So it doesn't matter if you're in Australia, uh, Ireland, uh, Japan, um, or the Middle East uh, in Saudi Arabia, pretty much everything I described is worldwide. So the grading systems are worldwide. The navigation systems for spine tumors are available worldwide. Um, the, a lot of the technology develops in different places. So some of the carbon fiber technology we use for spine tumors developed primarily in Europe and has mm. migrated to the US. Um, uh, laser ablation of tumors. So sometimes you'll have a patient um, with a spine tumor and you'll actually put a guided needle into the tumor with, which basically coagulates the tumor or burns it and it can shrink it down. It can be very helpful for pain. So if a patient has severe pain, instead of doing a, a surgery where you have to put implants in and have a scar or incision, you can put a very small couple of millimeter diameter uh, laser in, guide it through the pedicle, put it into the main part of the tumor and burn the tumor. And that can be very helpful for pain. And then sometimes inject some cement in to give uh, some stability and, uh, that can often help a patient quite remarkably. And that okay. those technology those technologies are available in pretty much every major well-developed center around the world. Excellent. Brilliant. Um, so just uh, for any medical oncologists that are listening to this podcast, is there any any um, materials you'd recommend they take a look at or any you know websites that you think they should be aware of um or any recommendations you know something that they should educate themselves on um yes i think that if every oncologist is going to see see this mm. weekly um they're going to get a radiology report saying there's a spine tumor and uh, i think the first thing to do is make sure that you have developed a relationship with a good spine surgeon and a radiation oncologist so that you can just talk to them, um, send them a message, um, discuss the case. Um, and for reference, um, if you maybe don't have a surgeon as easily accessible, um, there are some very good resources. So the AO group, which is um, our spine cooperative group, they have an excellent surgical reference and it goes through all spine meds and it's in illustrated graphics. Um, the side and shows the tumors, representative examples, and various options for their treatment. And I often use it in clinical patients to show them, you know, the various options, give them the kind of an educated um, process to make their decision. So the AO spine reference um, is an excellent one. Um, and there are a number of reviews and journal articles on this um, that are available as well on the neurosurgery closed journals as well. But the main okay. one I think is the AO surgical reference um, for spine tumors and looking at the uh, NOMS, uh, so the that grading scale for how to deal with these tumors. Okay, great. I'll make sure they're linked to in the show notes. Um, so final question, for any patients and caregivers reading this, what are your tips on navigating cancer care? Um, you know, working obviously with your oncologist and, um, you know, reading and learning more from reputable sources. And if you have, if you, you know, there's one in one in one in two chance that at some stage in your oncological journey, you will get the diagnosis of a spine mat. 
Uh, the main thing is, obviously, it's a challenge, but we have lots of ways to help. So um, talk to your oncologist, um, talk to the radiation oncologist, um, but ask for an opinion from a spine, a neurosurgeon for the spine tumor. Most of the time, we won't need to operate, and uh, medications or radiation can help. Um, but there are minimally invasive options to help relieve or reduce pain and take pressure off the spinal cord. And um, they can really help people. Okay, brilliant. Rory, just wondering, how does spinal cord injury usually present itself to a patient? That's an excellent question, Kevin. So um, in the setting of a, met a spine metastasis, uh, a lot of people will have pain, whether it's where the metastasis is. So they might have neck pain, back pain. Um, now, back pain is very common. Everyone gets back pain all the time. But when you have medicine, when you've known cancer, if you start developing back pain, you should get checked out very carefully. And um, another challenge is, you know, people are undergoing therapies, they're undergoing chemotherapy, um, different immunotherapies. So they can often feel weak after those therapies. Hmm. But if you, you do need to be careful, if you have back pain, weakness, trouble walking, very unsteady walking, you know, sometimes from peripheral neuropathy from the uh, oncological agents that are being used, but sometimes it can be a spinal cord tumor, uh, sorry, spine tumor causing pressure on the cord and causing the weakness. So, um, you know, don't delay your care. Talk to your oncologist, get assessed. You know, imaging is quick. It's getting cheap, you know, cheaper all the time. So getting a quick MRI of the effect, you know, if it's your neck is very sore or your, your mid-back, just getting an MRI of that area. So for the oncologist, you know, uh, if a patient presents with weakness, trouble walking, maybe some new bowel or bladder dysfunction, um, and they have some pain in their back, you know, 50% it, it, of patients will develop a spine tumor at some stage. So just image them. Hmm. Okay. Our, our threshold... Our threshold to image is far lower when we know someone has a known cancer. So um, when we're dealing with someone who doesn't have cancer and it's, it's probably wear and tear or degenerative change in the spine, we often will wait, give it a few weeks, try physical therapy because often it gets better on its own. But when we know someone has lung cancer or breast cancer or bowel cancer and they present with back pain, we should image quick, quickly. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much, Roy. Thanks for your time. Um, really appreciate your feedback and all your expertise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Kevin.